welcome to the next episode of Talk Me to the Movies. This is Kara and Brenna. And today we're going to be talking about a set of movies that we recommended for one another. Yeah, movies that could not be more different from one another. <laughs> what did we recommend? All right, so last episode we kind of teased that we would be doing this, but we didn't know at the time what we were going to watch. So after that, we decided that um, I recommended the movie Us from last year, 2019, to Kara, and then... I recommended Lost in Translation, which I think is like 2006 or Yeah, early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about why we thought the other one recommended our movie. All right. So I might be thinking too generally, but um, I mean, it just, it totally felt like a me movie. Like without thinking about it, I was like, oh yeah, this is the type of movie I like. But also, I'm going to Japan next month. I don't know if that was part of it or just a coincidence, but super well-timed because I'll be in Tokyo at the end of March, um, all things with the world health, health crisis permitting. <laughs> so it was really like exciting to watch a movie centered there, which I thought was cool. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I am a big fan of indie movies, which this was. Like it had kind of the, oh, what's the word, kind of, cool, slightly melancholy vibes. It was a female director, which is points for me. I don't know if that's why you chose it, <laughs> but that always makes something up a level in my book. Um, but yeah, what were, what were the real reasons? Yeah. One, like because it? you're going to Japan. Nice. Okay. And two, because there's very few movies that I've seen and you have not. <laughs> I didn't even think of it like that. We talked about this. Yeah. And three, yeah. Sophia Coppola is the director, and so I know nice. you like women directors. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I appreciate that. You hit the nail on the head, I think. So well, I think I gave you a choice, and you chose. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah we did cheat a little bit. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think you chose us for me. One, it reminds me. <laughs> I swear that there will be one podcast that I don't talk about Parasite, <laughs> but it reminds me similarly to the themes of Parasite. Um, so I like side note. I think it would be a really good double feature. Us and Parasite mm. would be a really good double feature. Yeah, though. totally. But I think it talks a lot about class structure, mm-hmm. and it's kind of one of those. It's one of those films that at the end everything comes together, and you're just kind of like, "What just happened?" Yeah. And also, you know that I'm trying to get over my horror, <laughs> my horror feel, fear, and I think this was a good movie for me to do that with. So. Awesome. Is that why? Yep. You were totally, you were totally correct. Yeah. I, I was so excited last week when you said that you wanted to do horror because horror is my personal favorite genre, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea for obvious reasons. (laughs) So yeah, I picked us because even though it's obviously horror, it's not the kind of horror that has you looking over your shoulder or under your bed after you've watched it. Like, <laughs> you're not super afraid something's coming after you afterwards, even though it obviously has a lot to say that you could be thinking about. But then, yeah, I totally thought of it as a comparison to Parasite. Like, yeah. so different, but a lot of those same themes about the us versus them, the people above versus the people underground. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad that you – that – I mean, I – I knew that you would get that, but yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you saw that I wasn't just trying to scare you. Um, you want to talk about us first? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. go down that rabbit hole first. <laughs> it's an intricate one. All right. So what were yeah? What were your thoughts? 
actually, maybe we should kind of describe what Us is about, necessarily. Oh, yes. I'm glad you said that. So, basically, what the movie is about is a family who is traveling to go on vacation. Um, And before this, there's a lot of backstory, um, specifically related around the mother and a similar trip that she had went on with her family um, about 30 years prior. And when they go on this vacation, she has a lot of fear that the same experience that happened to her would happen again to her family, or she just had a lot of fear about this place. And um, her husband convinces her and her family to go. They go, and when they're there, they encounter doppelgangers of themselves that approach them at their house, and they look exactly like them. And basically the whole film is about kind of they have to kill each other off. It's either the real person or the doppelganger who is going to live. So it, it is really gory. So we're going to go ahead and spoil it. But at the end, you come to find out that the mother is actually her tethered <laughs> doppelganger. <laughs> so whenever she was in Santa Cruz, whenever she was young, um, her doppelganger switched places with her and basically tied her up to her bed and um, ended up taking the, the life that um, Adelaide lived as her own. Um, and Adelaide's new name becomes Red as she becomes the doppelganger. And she basically, this whole story is based on her planning a revolt against the people who are living above. But yeah, there it's it's really interesting. It it like describing it it sounds kind of crazy, but there is a lot of interesting meaning behind the film. I feel like uh huh. And yeah. so I'm interested to know kind of what you thought the like what the meaning behind the film was to you when you originally saw it. Yeah, I rewatched it kind of at the same time Kara was watching it because I hadn't seen it since it came out in theaters. So I do kind of have the benefit of having seen it twice, which. I would recommend to people if they can stomach it because there are definitely things that you notice a lot more when you know what's coming at the end. Um, But I think one of the beautiful things about this movie is that I would say there's not just one single takeaway. There's so many important messages going on. One thing, well, with the title just being us, it kind of, I've heard it said before that you can think of it as there can't be an us without a them. So even like we're talking about with Parasite, it's like, you know, us, we're the people who live above ground and live like the fancy happy lives and have the opportunities, but there's like the them who, in this case, are um, shown to be shadow people or doppelgangers who live in literal tunnels beneath us, but it really is just like an allegory, I think, for how people um, perceive those who are different from them, whether it's social status or upbringing or whatever that may be. So, um, yeah, gosh, it's hard to say just one thing or even what I think that the most important takeaway is. But one thing that stood out to me for sure more the second time was just that because of an opportunity gap, we can convince ourselves that the them or the people different from us don't have as much to offer society. Um, And us, you know, it's these people have been literally trapped in tunnels where they don't even eat real normal food. They literally just live their lives mimicking what's going on with their doppelgangers above ground. But in the twist with this, when you see that um, 
Adelaide and Red actually switched places, you learn that it was the doppelganger who um, became the dancer, like the really acclaimed dancer. And I think that's really cool. There's even a line where at the end, when the doppelgangers are face to face in the tunnel, that Red says, to think if it weren't for you, I never would have danced at all. Because I think she's saying, like, that was the doppelganger's passion and talent. And that was something beautiful that she gave to the world. But she might have just lived her life trapped under the tunnel if the switch hadn't happened. So that's just one thing I thought of was like, <laughs> you know, this idea that we perceive people, whether we realize it or not, as lesser than us and having less to offer society. And we kind of tuck them away. Um, but that there's just so much more of those people. But that's just one thing. I know that <laughs> there are a lot of <laughs> different takeaways. So I'm interested to hear what you thought too, especially being your first viewing, because I think I had a way different reaction the first time too. Really? Yeah. So yeah, I agree. Like I, I kept on getting the same like class, like a lot of class kind of stuff. Yeah. But, and I really liked when I think Red is talking to Adelaide. You had a baby. I just felt the pain. Yeah. You were able to experience, like, the real sky. I, like, didn't have sky. Like, you were eating warm meals at night. I was eating cold. Raw sharp. meat, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my toys were sharp and cold. Yeah. And so it's just, like, you're literally formed by your atmosphere and, like, where you're born into. And, like, mm-hmm. so it was just making me think a lot about, like, if I hadn't been given the opportunities that I had been given, like, where would I be? And then it, yeah. would it be in a place that I do refer to sometimes as, like, oh, that type of person or mm-hmm. that class of society? And it's, like, yeah. it's just, it's needing to remember that we're, like, all one humanity. <laughs> yeah. That's like an unconscious bias thing. Like, even though when asked about it, we could all easily say, oh, like, totally. Like, those people are just a victim of circumstance. Like, they deserve the same things that we do. But if the position was switched or if our way of living was jeopardized the way it is for Adelaide in this story when the doppelgangers show up and she's just like, uh-oh, like, they're coming They're coming to take my life. And obviously she goes to desperate <laughs> Her and her family, desperate measures to protect it. Um, Yeah, I just think that's really interesting to try and put yourself in those shoes of, like, what would you do to maintain your lifestyle? Yeah. Even even if it meant you giving something up could lift somebody else up. That's, like, kind of a reach. It's not not like the doppelgangers are shown as totally pure of heart people. They're (laughs) killing everyone, so... It's complicated in this movie, but... Um, but it does make you think, like, and yeah. I'm not trying to get on, like, a Joker type of rant where mm-hmm. people were saying, does the Joker, <laughs> like, qualify violence and make it okay? Yeah. But, like, I do think that what you're born into has an effect on you. Yeah. And so it makes you think, like, would you be there? Like, would you be in that situation? Would you be killing people? Right. <laughs> I know that, like... That's, I don't know, that's very far-fetched, but I was yeah. thinking, like, is there, like, is there something wrong with what Adelaide did? Like, the, the fake Adelaide, or yeah. the doppelganger did, switching places with her, is there something wrong with that? Right. Yeah, it's... If she fought for what she... Yeah. Thought she deserved. She saw an opportunity to... I actually haven't even thought about this super in-depth <laughs> yet, but now I am, because... 
you can totally, like, she saw an opportunity to get out of her horrible situation, and she took it. Yeah. And I think that people do that. I mean, in, in different ways. Sometimes they're not as obvious, but that's a really good question you pose. Like, <laughs> would you do the same thing? <laughs> like, she's, it's bad. Like, she stole someone's life from them when she, you know, took the real Adelaide and kind of sentenced her to a life underground where she wouldn't have anything. Um, but at the same time, when she hadn't done that, there was no other way that she could have entered normal society. Um, yeah, that is, woo. So it's probably not above any of us. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like, I would probably do that. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's tough. Woo. Thanks, Jordan Peele, for making yeah. us so introspective. <laughs> I love Jordan Peele, by the he's way. He's so great. I've been watching some interviews of him, and he just seems like such a funny, genuine, relatable dude. Yeah. He's, he's really funny. Right. Yeah. It's almost like if you didn't know if you didn't know him from Keen Peele or kind of his what we think of as his comedic start, and you just saw this movie, you'd probably be like, what twisted yeah, brain thinks man, of this stuff? <laughs> yeah, but he, yeah, he is. He's so funny and just, I think, full of imagination, and that serves the horror genre well because you can really go there with things. But yeah, he's so cool. Watching a video where it was like showing some of the behind the scenes of some of the children, mm-hmm. and they showed when Adelaide was a little girl, and yes. they like showed the scene of her grabbing her doppelganger's neck or the other one grabbing her mm-hmm. neck. They show how they filmed that, and it was actually, like, they had, like, a styrofoam cup, like, hanging there, and she was, like, grabbing a styrofoam cup. Oh! <laughs> and then they just, like, edited that girl's face in. That's crazy. <laughs> we envision all these high-tech things happening in film, and it's literally just, like, a hanging styrofoam cup. <laughs> That's so cool. It worked, though. It was real. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of, you know, people having to do unusual things when it's just one actor playing their twin or something like that, do you feel like, because Lupita Nyong'o, who plays Adelaide and Red, the main characters, because she was playing two people and obviously had the most intense role, do you think she was Oscar snubbed like a lot of the... Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She was amazing. (laughs) Right? Like, I felt like she was two people. Like, you saying that just now, I'm like, oh crap, she was... Right. One person. <laughs> but yeah, she she did an amazing job. I think she was like the scariest character oh, yeah. in that film. Yeah, it's just very unsettling that voice she takes on and that manner of moving. That laugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I remember when Us first came out and there was a lot of, I think there were a lot of mixed reviews about it. Part of that being because Get Out was such a hit and people, I think when acclaimed directors kind of have their second movie come out is always much more highly criticized but I remember there was there were people who were just totally frightened by of, us yeah by us and by the character of Red the way Lupita Nyong'o portrayed it but then some people thought it was almost funny and took them out of it I find it extremely unsettling and <laughs> I thought she did a really good job if someone showed up in my house looking like me talking to me like that I and freak. yeah <laughs> man it's yeah, just thinking about it now, it's, it's eerie. Be careful. <laughs> I was really happy, though, that there was places I could laugh. Yes, it's I don't a nice think break. I would have been able to do it. 
Yeah. But I did think of a fun question. Okay. About this film. If you had a tethered, Mm -hmm. an evil doppelganger, what would they be like? Oh my goodness. This is such a good question because it's making me search my soul for like, what are the things that I keep tampered down that would probably be my strongest personality trait. Maybe it's your Halloween costume for next year. Yeah, this, this year. yeah, total. That's actually a really great idea. I could rock a red jumpsuit like all these <laughs> other people wear. <laughs> um, gosh, it would probably be. <laughs> this sounds so silly, but I'd probably just be somebody who is just an unabashedly a know-it-all, like <laughs> interjects in every conversation. <laughs> It has to have the last word and always is like someone who needs to be right, like which would not be scary at all. Like it would just be really annoying. But you'd be trying to talk, but you can't talk. Oh that's true, you're right. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's one thing that's kinda cool about the movie and, and now that you know this the twist at the end, one thing is that all the doppelgangers don't really talk. They more so just make noises because they've lived underground and haven't had to really interact with anyone but when no one else talks yeah, <laughs> yeah they don't talk to each other yeah. but the character of red she can talk a little bit it's like hard for her but looking back on it, i'm like oh that's just a giveaway that they were switched because yeah. she had lived as a normal person for 10 years or however old she is um but yeah if i couldn't talk man what would it be you'd probably still be trying to you'd just be like i would just be trying to <laughs> yeah Maybe I would just literally stand in the middle of people's conversations instead of just vocally interjecting. Yeah, I would just st- stand in between people and try and interrupt them in any way that I could. Oh my gosh, that's such a bad answer. <laughs> why this family's tethers are the way they are, why what their main personality trait is. But, like, um, the daughter, whose name is Zora, um, the regular Zora is, like, a cross-country runner and really good at track and field. So when her evil doppelganger shows up, she's, like, a crazy fast runner and super agile, kind of just, like, the extreme version of that. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking of it the wrong way. Maybe it's, like, a talent that you would just have amplified in a way still be a talent or like (laughs) being a (laughs) know-it-all well like the dad his doppelganger like the dad likes to have a boat and he likes to go out on his boat Mm -hmm. and his doppelganger takes him onto the boat to try and kill him (laughs) yeah that's true they always go back to the boat (laughs) it's like a great gag in the movie (laughs) maybe maybe my doppelganger would take me to get frozen yogurt (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet you're like, me and my doppelganger would be best friends. But then my doppelganger tries to, like, drown me in frozen yogurt. Oh, that yeah. nice, so. Yeah, that's not a bad way to go, I don't think. <laughs> Some of you in this movie definitely went way worse. Actually, our doppelgangers would probably take us to the movies. That's true. They would just make us watch, like, really, really strange. Horrific yeah, horrific movies. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I think that's a good answer. Our doppelgangers would watch us, make us watch bad movies. Salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to get your, po- or your point of view on, at the end of the film, 
the family lives. So you have all the real people kind of living. Mm-hmm. And her son looks at her with a knowing glance. Yes. Do you think her son knows that she is from the underworld or from the tethered universe? Yes. I I think he definitely does. And it's, it's kind of hard. So there's also... Um, a part, the film kind of climaxes in this big face-off between Red and um, Adelaide underground. And in the end, obviously, Adelaide kills Red, but then they show her, before that, Red had taken her son and run away with him down into the tunnels. Um, But so then after Adelaide kills Red, she finds her son in one of the lockers in the same room where their face-off ends. So... I kind of always understood that as he saw her kill Red. And heard. Yeah, and kind of heard their conversation. I didn't even pick that up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, not super obvious. It's because he was hiding in there. So it's totally possible. I think they kind of intentionally leave that vague. But that's kind of how I always interpreted it, is that he saw that all happen, um, heard Red tell the whole story of what happened to them as children, and how that made her feel. Um, and so, yeah, I think he's just looking at his mom like, you, well, you're a murderer who's, like, you're the epitome of being no better than the people that you looked down upon because you killed her, and now I know that you, you aren't supposed to be my mom. <laughs> it's just so layered. It's like... I didn't even realize that. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I, I don't remember if I noticed it the first time either because it, it just kind of... Yeah, it ends on him just giving his mom a look in the car as yeah. they drive away from everything burning and <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> um, and I think that's such a cool way to end it because it's like, at the end of the day, she fought and got to keep the life that she stole, but it leads you to think that there will be consequences. Like, things aren't going to go back to the way they were, which is, I think is something she literally tells her son after she kills Red and she kind of finds him and she's so happy to see him and he's backing away from her and she's like everything's gonna go back to the way it was like with this desperation but I don't think that's gonna happen (laughs) I think she's gonna pay the price (laughs) and we haven't talked about the other eight billion people in red drum suit right (laughs) that's true they're not gonna make it very far (laughs) yeah the movie ends and you you see basically throughout the entirety of the country that all the doppelgangers are lined up holding hands and like the hands across America that is kind of alluded to at the beginning of the film which was a real thing in the 80s so you definitely leave the movie being like okay this family is the only one that survived the doppelgangers but did anybody else it doesn't seem like it (laughs) I don't think so (laughs) so the world it's a new world out there I kind of wish we could get a sequel honestly but (laughs) maybe maybe it's in the works yeah I would just love to see do you know Jordan Peele's working on anything Yes, actually, this year, he's a producer on a remake of uh, Candyman, which is like an older horror movie. Okay, so then there's also Antebellum, which he's a producer on as well, but that is starring Janelle Monae, um, and the trailers are out, and it looks so oh, the trailers are out. Uh-huh. I saw it um, when I was at the movie theater a couple weeks ago. Oh, it was okay. my first time seeing it, and I was just... On the big screen, it was like the hair stood up on my body. I wonder if I can handle really it. Really good. I'm a pro now. Yeah, you are. 
So yeah, I don't know if those movies will have like a Jordan Peele movie feel, but he's linked to them, which makes me have high hopes. <laughs> My next, I'm gonna watch Get Out next nice. by him. Cool, I was and wondering. I feel pretty confident going into it because I think it's an easier mm-hmm. like horror watch than yes. It's more like social horror, right? Right. Yeah, it's a lot more social, psychological. Um, but yeah, I'm, that's awesome that you're gonna watch it because. It's so amazing. Like I think everyone universally agreed that Get Out was amazing. Us was a little more divisive, so I feel like watching it in disorder is even better. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's just my opinion. But. <laughs> All right, should we move on to the film that you watched for the first time? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Taking a hard turn here. All right, so Lost in Translation. Give us, give us the plot. Give us the Whew. the brief. Okay. So Lost in Translation um, is about, it centers around two people who at the beginning of the movie don't know each other. One is named Charlotte, played by baby Scarlett Johansson, a mere 17 years old, which I looked up. She looks amazing. She does. Effervescent. Like, does She's not age. She's 17 in that film. She's 17 years old when they made that movie. We'll talk um, about the kids later. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might make you a little uncomfortable. Um... Scarlett Johansson plays a character named Charlotte, who is in Tokyo because she's traveled there with her husband, who is some sort of celebrity photographer or up-and-coming photographer, so he's there for work, and she's just kind of along for the ride. And then the other main character is named Bob, who's played by Bill Murray, (laughs) and he's in Tokyo to film a commercial for Centauri whiskey, which actually my husband and I drink. It's very good. Oh, I was like, this I, is so I was cool. thinking it was a made up whiskey. It's a real whiskey. Wow. It's, it's good. I recommend Centauri whiskey. Is it whiskey. Japanese? Yeah, Japanese. Okay. Yeah. I think my husband had been in Tokyo before, and I think that's where he first heard about it. Sorry if that's not true. <laughs> um, so he's there to film a whiskey commercial just for the week, um, but he's traveling alone, but he's kind of the film leads us to believe he's like this big time movie star, but he's kind of doing these weird smaller projects on the side um, to make money for, I guess, his new study that his wife is making him back home. I don't really know why he, <laughs> it seemed like he was there to make the commercial kind of against his will. So I don't really know why he felt like he needed to do it. But um, so there are these two characters that are in Tokyo at the same time, but they don't know each other. But he's alone because he's there alone for work. And then she is there ultimately alone because her husband is always off on photo shoots. Um, so they're both just kind of down and out. They're in this huge, massive city where they're surrounded by people all the time, and yet they're lonely. <laughs> the irony. Um, so yeah, by kind of by chance, they end up meeting in the hotel they're staying at because they're in the same hotel. And so the movie is just about the connection that they, they develop with each other across this week that they're in Tokyo. Um, and yeah, just how their relationship develops and it's complicated because Charlotte is married, obviously. So you kind of always kept wondering, what is this relationship between them? Is Bob's it... married too. Oh yeah, he's married too. You're right. His wife just wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but there's also a huge age difference. He's like in his fifties and even though Scarlett Johansson was 17 when they made the movie, I think they say she just graduated college or something, her character. So there's obviously a huge age difference between them. But despite that, they really connect and they end up like partying together, eating their meals together, um, just like forming this really strong bond. Um, 
in a way that probably never would have happened if they were just back home and bumped into each other. So, yeah, it's cool. It's a really beautiful movie just about, I think, most broadly about human connection. And it was really good with an awesome soundtrack. We didn't even mention that about us, but us oh, that's is, true. The yeah. score in us is amazing. Yeah, so good. Wow. But what did you think of it? Did you like it? I did like it. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I Boston Translation is a movie that I kind of can't believe I hadn't seen before. Um, but I remember, I mean, I was pretty young, but I remember when it came out and that it was a big deal, um, and. But I'm glad that I saw it kind of for the first time as an adult, because I think I would have appreciated it more. And yeah, I thought, you know, it's it's complicated because they're like layered people that are both kind of doing something wrong by like having this connection with each other. But at the same time, you root for it because they're both not in great personal situations. Like Charlotte's husband is basically neglecting her and you kind of get the impression that Bob and his wife have just like really drifted apart probably because he's a movie star and that's hard <laughs> to be married <laughs> um but yeah I'm just a sucker for movies that are just about yeah connecting with other people and kind of finding a soulmate maybe not the soulmate but a soulmate um just at like the wrong time they're like ships passing in the night you know yeah. <laughs> could get super romantic about this but it's funny I liked it. Yeah, it's good. I, I love it. Um, it's funny because, like, you'd think of, like, a film based in Japan, like, maybe it would be all about the cinematography, maybe it would be all about these really cool still images, which it is, mm-hmm. but to me, like, the dialogue in this film is really, really good. Yeah. Like, there's so many just snippets of them talking to one another, uh-huh. or, or <laughs> snippets of Charlotte talking to her husband who's, like, ignoring her, or, like, mm-hmm. not giving her attention. That are just like really subtle. It gives yeah. me marriage story vibes. <laughs> oh, you're right. It really does. I never like thought about that, but it totally does. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard, and I don't know if this is true. Don't don't call Sofia Coppola and ask her. <laughs> I've heard that like this movie is kind of a little bit about her and Spike Jones's relationship. Oh, I I saw that too. Yes, and her is kind of mm-hmm. about. Which is by oh. Spike Jones. Fascinating. I have that some part. hints towards their relationship. Yeah, because they were married when were she married. was really young. She was, was kind of like Scarlett Johansson in this way. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's cool. I'll have to get some more tea on that later. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty yeah. cool. I like it. I, yeah. I Like, literally, when I first heard about this film, I was like, okay, a really old man. I didn't know that she was 17 when she was acting, but like a really old man <laughs> and like a younger girl, like hit it off in Japan, like, when their spouses don't, aren't there, I was like, okay, this sounds like some sleazy yeah. <laughs> movie, but what I love about it is that it, I think both these characters, like, aren't getting something from their spouse that mm-hmm. they inherently, genuinely need, Right. and then just, like, them coming together in this place that they're not familiar with, Yeah. they kind of get that thing from one another. Uh-huh. What each other is needing. Yeah, that's such an interesting point because you wonder, obviously, like, there are people that, it's funny because their dialogue is so witty, but it's also very, like, 
it's not like they have a big heart-to-heart conversation and that's what makes them connect. It's just they have that energy between them. And so because of that, I wonder, so that they were more affected by their surroundings, that they kind of... Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, like, is that why they kind of fell into, like, oh, cool, like, a person I kind of hit it off with, like, let's ride this out. Or maybe this negates the soulmate thing I said earlier, because if they were back home in their surroundings where they were comfortable and they didn't need to lean on someone else, like, would it still happen? Or even in the U.S., yeah. where everyone else speaks English. Right, yeah. Like, you in have New York. lots of people to talk to. Yeah, you have a lot of people to talk to. <laughs> but, like, they're both in Japan, they're looking around, and they're the only two that speak English. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, yeah, they literally, I think... Hopefully I'm not making this up, but the first time they meet, they look across the bar, right? And kind of nod at each other. Yeah. Um, and then it ends up kind of step by step growing from there. But but that's like one of my favorite things about this film. <laughs> one, <laughs> let me just say I'm a sucker for like, like intimacy. So like, I <laughs> yeah. really love, like, that's like when we think the first time they see each other is. Mm. But. Oh my gosh, I. Wow. Yeah, like, because her issue is that her husband's not giving her any attention, right? Yeah, And, like, she feels unseen by Mm -hmm. her husband. But, like, later in the story, that's when you think that they originally see each other is at the hotel bar. But he tells her, oh, actually, no, the first time we saw each other was in the elevator. Oh, that's a stupid part, and I forgot, too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that part, because it's like, that's exactly what she was needing. You know, it's like she needs her she husband to recognize. Yeah, she felt seen. Oh, oh it's gonna cry. Yeah, <laughs> could be the champagne. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that bottle's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. such a good part. Yeah, because doesn't she say something like, "Did I ignore you or something?" And he says, "No, you smiled, and it was really sweet." That's such a good point too. <laughs> <laughs> she feels like she's snobby because her husband says she is. Yes, he keeps telling her that, and so she kind of believes that about herself. Mm-hmm. Y'all, your words to other people have a real effect on them. <laughs> yes, be kind, because <laughs> people will start to believe what people tell them about themselves. Yeah, totally. Oh, I'm falling even more in love with this movie as we talk about it. <laughs> it's like subtle. That's what I like. Right. About it. Yeah, it's subtle. It's subtle in it, but it gets it so right. It's just because it feels real. Yeah. Like you can kind of put yourself in. I mean, we're young women, so it, it's probably easier to put ourselves in her shoes, but even kind of both of them. Like, you know, if you were lonely and someone. Like, we would all love to have somebody tell us, like, something that they've positive that they've noticed about us that, like, we probably couldn't get to on our own. Like, yeah, that's so true. So good. Um, I something I really appreciate that I didn't notice, in all fairness, but I read about after watching it <laughs> is you know it's kind of throughout the relationship they started as friends and it becomes a bit of a will they won't they cheat on their spouses with each other. Uh, Bob does cheat on his wife. Spoiler, but not with Charlotte with this other random woman. I um, forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> a karaoke singer. A karaoke singer. <laughs> And you can tell he's, like, instantly regretting it. But there's this whole will-they-won't-they thing. And to the point where they're even, um, like, falling asleep next to each other, watching movies in bed. And I'm not necessarily – I'm not condoning that you 
do even that <laughs> against your spouse. But there's just this really, um, I think it's pretty iconic. I'd seen the picture of it before, even though I didn't know the context. But there's a scene where they're laying on the bed next to each other. And the character of Bob is laying there, like, super straight um, and stiff in the bed with his arms at his side. And she is laying next to him, but her body is curved and, like, her one of her feet is touching him and she's turning towards him. And it was, I saw that, like, she was, like, a question mark and he was an exclamation point. It's, like, kind That's of. That's so interesting. It's so interesting, but it's this whole thing where, like, she, if you interpret it that way, she's kind of, like, she's the question. She's asking him, like, what is this thing? But he's, like, practicing such restraint. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I think what's between them is special, and he's like, I'm not gonna sleep with this person, I'm gonna resist the urge. But then right after that is actually when he has the affair with the lounge singer, so you can kind of interpret that as, like, he had this energy he needed to get out. Um, That's interesting, I didn't even realize yeah, that, but that's yeah. so true. I wish I had figured that out on my own, but I read that. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, wow, that's so interesting. But it's, even if you don't see the overt question mark, exclamation mark thing, you can read the energy between them that she's just so like comfortable and like opened up to him and like, you know, all snuggled and he's just very rigid yeah. and like, I respect this person. Like, I won't even look at you. Like, like that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Something I else I was thinking about last night is that when they both tell each other kind of like their relationships, at that part, when they're in bed and they're talking, yeah. she's like, does it get easier? Mm. But he he says something like, my wife doesn't even need me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I love that, I think, Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte Scarlet. <laughs> Charlotte Scarlet kind of needs him. Like, for yeah. instance, like, when she hurts her, when her foot is hurt, mm-hmm. we don't get the idea that it's, like, super hard, or, like, super bad or anything. He offers to take her to the hospital because yeah. he wants to like be needed. Uh huh. And then Ooh. yeah, and yeah. like whenever she needs help, kind of figuring out her life, or like needs someone to like give input because she's dating this or married to this person who's just like a blank slate who doesn't give any input. Like mm-hmm. she asks him for his input, and he gives her his input, and like he feels needed by her. Yeah. So they both like found something that they weren't able to find in their relationships, which again, not condoning. Cheating. Yeah. <laughs> Ideally, you would have this happen before you were married. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, you find this in yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or yourself. Or even better. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It's a good love story. That's not a love story. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I love that. I love that it's layered and nuanced and, um, yeah, it's really good. I think you should get a pink wig before you go to Japan. You know what? I have one. I actually had that thought. <laughs> Y'all should do, you and Colin should do, like, reenact. Yeah, you and your husband should reenact <laughs> that scene where your head is on his shoulder. Oh, we totally should. I'm going to do it. And it's, like, a similar cut. It's, oh, like, really? really funny. It's a slightly more purple color, but. I think I should do it. Yeah, should do it. <laughs> I wonder how often that happens there. People I wonder. Like, these tourists, like, <laughs> they're like, what even is this thing? <laughs> it's like indie movie obsession that has like, stood the test of time. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So something else that I learned was a result of this movie 
is that it's kind of become a thing in pop culture that Bill Murray has had this phase where he likes to party with strangers or kind of uh, insert himself into people's <laughs> situations when they're hanging out with friends or, um, you know, having a meal together or something. There's been a lot of uh, news stories and memes about that. Um, but I didn't realize that um, that's actually a result of this movie, that because there's a scene in this movie where he joins Charlotte um, to go and party at a club with some people that she knows, but he doesn't know. They're, they're partying together, and they end up doing this karaoke scene um, in the movie that, in real life, Bill Murray, because of that, started kind of being fearless to party with strangers, which is something that I would never do. But I did not know that. That's amazing. I did, yeah, it's so fascinating. But what's really funny, we're just like two degrees of separation from Bill Murray because we actually have a co-worker who has been the recipient of one of Bill Murray's random partying sessions. Um, it's not really my story to tell, but... <laughs> um, at a baseball the game. Yeah, the broad. Yeah, yeah. yeah at a baseball game. Um, this actually was a story that was uh, published in the news as well, but um, uh, he and his friends were at a World Series game, and Bill Murray was in front of them, and they ended up having a lot of beers together and hanging out. and Wasn't it like 10 a.m. or something? Yes, like something really random. So that is all thanks to Lost in Translation, and here we wow. are. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. Totally. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> Who knows if that ever would have happened if he wasn't in that movie? That's so funny. <laughs> I had no funny. idea it had to do with Lost in Translation. Yeah. Like, have you seen any other of Sofia Coppola's films? This is the only yeah. film of hers I've seen. Yes. I've seen The Virgin Suicides and Bling Ring. Oh, actually, I have seen Bling Ring. Yeah. I don't, for some reason, I don't always think of that as one of her movies yeah. for some reason. Um, but yeah, I've actually seen The Virgin Suicides several times, and as dark as it is, I was definitely a fan of it, um, but I have to say, yeah, this is my favorite, for sure. <laughs> she has another movie coming out this year Ooh. that Bill Murray is also in. Oh, what is it? It's called On the Rocks, Ooh, and it's wow. produced by A24. Oh, okay. So we're going to like it, probably. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know when in 2020, but it's supposed to come out in 2020. Awesome. And there's not really much about it, but I just think it's so funny that her and Bill Murray, because she did Chris, yeah. the... Christmas. Oh, a very Murray Christmas. She did a. I've very seen that too. Christmas. I didn't even yeah. know that that yeah. was her. That's funny. So I feel like her and Bill Murray <laughs> had this like really good relationship. Yeah, and I think he was pretty elusive. It was hard to get him to agree to do Lost in Translation too. So that's awesome. Yeah. Look at how it's bloomed. Look at how it's bloomed. <laughs> I will say I saw one photo of like the filming of On the Rocks, the mm. one that's coming out in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and Bill Murray looks old. <laughs> No. He looks so old. <laughs> he was also, did you see the Dead Don't Die this year? No. With him and Adam Driver? Yeah, he's getting old. It's what? What is it called? It's called The Dead Don't Die. It was like a really, I think it was short-lived in theaters, but um, it's Bill Murray and Adam Driver and Chloe Sevigny, and they are like cops um, in a small town. And he looks really old in that? Yeah, he looks old. And he, but he's like fighting a zombie apocalypse, but it's... He's really funny in it. Adam Driver's in that too. Yeah, yeah. I would recommend it. It's kind of it's a Jim Jarmusch film, which is super quirky, but the humor lands for me. I feel like you might appreciate it. (laughs) But it's funny how Bill Murray does seem. I hear all these tales about how he's, you know, like the random party. He's kind of a strange guy, or can be hard to 
get to sign up to things, but he has a handful of directors that he's really been loyal to. Sofia Coppola, now one of them, Jim Jarmusch, and also Wes Anderson. Yeah. I mean, he picks them well, but... <laughs> Is he in The French Dispatch? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, I was like, Go I think it. I saw him in the trailer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I had another fun question. <laughs> and my brain power to work. <laughs> For you. Um, okay, so there's a scene at the end of Lost in Translation where Bill, a.k.a. Bob, <laughs> is on his way to the airport in a car. And all of a sudden he sees... Charlotte walking, and he asks the taxi driver or the car driver to stop, and runs over to her and whispers something into her ear, gives her a hug and a kiss. On the lips. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's 17. So that's okay. But anyway, <laughs> <that> out there. <laughs> but what do you, and we don't, the listener or the viewer does not know what he says, because it, it, you cannot hear it at all. Mm-hmm. What do you think that... He says to her in that moment. Oh, I don't know if it's, I know what I think I hope he's saying to her, which is ultimately that I hope and think it's something pretty simple, but I hope it's something just like, this is so silly, but just like, you know, we have to go our separate paths, but I won't forget you or that this meant as much to me as hopefully did to you. Or some just kind of, I can't think of a true word for word, but just some kind of validation of the connection that they had, but also acknowledging that this doesn't go forward from here. This was a magical time that we had, and our lives may be different now because of this interaction we've had. We might, who knows if, especially Charlotte, will stay with her husband. She's like 20 years old, so <laughs> she can start over. But, um, uh, but yeah, I just think it's, I hope it's some kind of just validation of their connection and just like closing of the book. Because I think it loses Goodbye. its magic if it's like, oh, like, I'm going to call you when I get back to the States, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hit me up, girl. Like, Hit me up. Yeah. <laughs> That would just be like, oh, okay, y'all are the same. Um, but, yeah, so I guess that's, that's what I think and hope it is. No, that's good. Yeah, what about you? Yeah. I'm coming up with this on the fly. Okay. <laughs> but I think, I think, I hope he said, I'm taking the same phrasing as you, I hope that he said, I couldn't let myself leave without kissing you. Oh. Yeah. But know that you deserve better in your life. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like he, yeah, this is a good point because he, he's like 30 years older than her, but, you know, I don't, obviously, who knows what would have really happened in real life, but despite the marital troubles, it seems like he has, like, he's in that, you know, yeah. he's not going to leave this and leave his wife or try to start over anyway. He's got a lot more wisdom and has learned from his life experiences. So I could totally see that, that it's like, um, you know, you're, you still have the time to realize you're not being loved like you should be and that you can start over. She has the time. She has so much time. Yeah. Yeah. She's, oh my goodness, just a wee baby. (laughs) Just a wee baby. (laughs) Yeah. I, I did do some Googling of 
what people think it is. And I don't really like any of these things, but... Yeah, let's hear them though. Yeah. I get the impression that people literally... I can see people, like, pausing their TV every half a second and trying to read his lips because these are very specific. <laughs> I, but, let me confession. I did you do this? <laughs> last night after you, you told me, like, what people thought that he said yesterday. I was like, uh-huh. they thought they could see his mouth moving? So I, I went to YouTube and I watched it. And I, like, turned it all the way up and I held my computer to my ear. <laughs> Amazing. I didn't get anything, but what did they get? (laughs) Okay, so the two most common things that the internet thinks is number one, I have to be leaving, but I won't let that come between us, okay? Which doesn't really make sense because he had already left, and it's like he just happens to see her on the street and tells his cab to pull over. So, like, yeah, like saying I have to be leaving doesn't, but it is a cute, like, just that phrase is something I could see Bill Murray slash Bob, who is like the same person, saying. The second thing, which makes a little more sense, is promise me the next thing you do is go up to that man and tell him the truth. Which makes more sense to the context, but I just really don't feel like he was going to tell her, you need to promise me you're going to break up with your husband like I think it's a complicated situation I just I don't know I right like, after he kisses her right yeah and, and it very much implies just that just like a peck though yeah yeah they kiss on the lips but even despite that it's very much implied that that was like a goodbye like like I had to do this but it's just like it's like in love actually that whole thing have you seen love actually yeah okay <laughs> or I say this the whole thing where it's like oh, she kissed me and acknowledged my feelings for her and that's enough, like, we can let this go now. kind of reminds me of that moment. So, yeah, I don't really buy either of those, but if the internet's done its research, sure. Um, <laughs> apparently... Maybe it was three takes. You know? Yeah, maybe it said different things. Yeah, maybe it said different things. <laughs> and they just mishmashed. <laughs> but if they did that, it was, like, three di- multiple takes and they took, like, half a sentence from several of them. <laughs> Um, but apparently, Sofia Coppola says that Bill Murray would never give up the ghost even to her, that he just said, it's between lovers. <laughs> so it's only Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, only she knows. Yeah. But apparently he improvised a ton of that movie, so... But I heard the, ki- the kiss was improvised. Yes. <laughs> she didn't know that was supposed to happen. Which, I always have such respect for actors, like, I feel like... She doesn't even show it. You think that that's a scripted thing. Like, <laughs> there's no surprise in her face or... <laughs> I just... I have mad respect for people who can improvise. So, in addition to the improv aspect of this, other facts I was reading up on for this movie were... Um, I remember that there was a lot of hype around it, but um, I believe it was 2003 or 2004. I'm not sure. I guess probably 2004 was when the Oscars were but that this movie got four Oscar nominations wow. total, yes, um, including Best Picture. But what's cool about that is back then they only had five movies in the category still. They hadn't extended it to ten. So it's just cool that like kind of a niche indie movie would have been considered among the Best Picture nominees back, back then. then too. Yeah. yeah. It makes more sense when there's ten spots. It's like, okay, sure, like we'll have this in here for – to please some people, <laughs> there's only five. Like, that's really saying something. Yeah. So, Best Picture, and she's nominated for Best Director, Sofia Coppola. 
she won Best Screenplay. That's the only one that she won because she both wrote and directed it. So I think that's pretty cool. I could see that because the yeah. I know I already said this, but the dialogue is really good. Yeah, it's so great. It's really good. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Yeah, so cool. I didn't like offhand remember that. So she won Best Screenplay. I think that's the only one she won. Oh, but she was nominated for Best Director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. Yeah, that is neat. It's probably one of the four times the Oscars nominated a woman for Best Director in the last 100 years. <laughs> 92 years, literally. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so cool. I, I mean, need to, like, watch more of her stuff. Like, that's just really amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she had a movie that came out last year called The Beguiled. But neither of us have seen it. But she's still very active in the film sphere. And I didn't know she had one coming out this year, so I'm really excited about that. All right, so we know that we're really excited about On the Rocks. But before we get too deep into 2020, we thought it might be cool for our next episode to take advantage of this quote-unquote dead period in movie releases. Uh, Nothing against movies coming out now. It's just this is known to be a slow time in movie releases at the beginning of the year. Um, But so we thought we'd take this time to look back on 2019 just once more um, and look at some of the movies that weren't maybe recognized by big things like the Academy for the Oscars, but that were still some of our favorite movies of 2019 and that we feel like were the most impactful and perhaps the most snubbed. Um, because we know that a lot of people are taking this time to also catch up on Oscar-nominated movies, so we would just like to share some that we think they should also watch. And you should watch these. You should yes, watch these. Take our word for it. Um, yeah, we both have some movies that we really love, um, that were just hugely impactful, so I think we'll talk about that next time. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Alright, until next time, we really